Today on the 10-12 podcast, myself, Andy, and Jamie recap Week 12 in the Big 12. We break down how each of the contenders looked. We talk about the hot seats for Dana Holgerson and Dave Aranda. My goodness. Plus, of course, a look to next weekend, the final weekend of the regular season for 2020. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show, the 10-12 Network. You can find every show on the network at 1012network.com, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. And of course, we are partners with Sport Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining me on this Monday. Glad to be back for a recap. Sorry we missed last week. And then we tried to do a a live on YouTube and Twitter, and StreamYard crapped out on me, so we couldn't even get that to work. And at that point, I just took the notes I'd written, threw them in a Patreon, made it free to everybody, and just was done with the recap from last week. Because apparently, um, the, the sports gods were like, you shall not recap this week in video or audio format. By golly, we are not allowing it. Move on. So we did. But here that we seems are. awfully convenient when Oklahoma State lost as big as they did to UCF. I wonder, you know, of all the people I thought would try and crack that joke at me, you are not the one. I, thought I had it cracked at me but, so many times after the Oklahoma State win over Kansas that I figured I would return the favor. But it wasn't me. I don't know why you got to do it. No, I know. But maybe I made that joke. I don't remember. I probably did because you weren't there and I thought it would be funny. Um, That voice that you hear is one of the two individuals who joins me every week. He is the host of the Rock Chalk podcast, the Kansas podcast and the Tinto of Network. He is Andy Mitz. Um, We're just football didn't happen this weekend, right? Like something happened and everything got postponed. Uh, Here's what I'm going to say. And this is not a throw under the bus thing. Scott was supposed to join us for today, and Scott has no voice left today, and so Scott was unable to join us. Now, before you crack the, it's because Kansas State, Kansas, blah, 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 he was going to join us today. He wanted to be here post uh, Sunflower Showdown. Well, of course he did. His voice is gone, so he is not joining us. So you get, I guess, a reprieve. I mean, I was kind of looking forward to the banter. I had almost, I had put that game on the rundown later just to like get, build the build toward it. You know, you gotta, you gotta get a good climax point, but uh, Scott's not here. That's okay. I don't think, I don't think you wanted to beep out that many words. Andy, I, 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 I I request that you be fair and balanced today as best as you can. I will be. Don't worry. I'm I'm kidding. I've already recorded uh, also, our recap episodes, so don't worry. It, it's okay. Good. So that'll be up on Monday? That's the plan anyway. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, also joining us, she is the vibe queen of the 1012 Network. She is JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson. Bro, I don't even know where I'm at anymore. I don't even know what's going on. It's been 11 days since I called a game. I, I watched basketball from... 11 this morning till like 20 minutes ago i i can see i got my lasik redone it's been a week and then i'm going to vegas on wednesday thanksgiving in vegas wholesome jamie you might you might crank that that mic up a little bit i know it's new we're gonna work through some technical stuff you were a little bit quiet. Okay. <clears throat> Quieter than usual, which more echoey, almost I, like she's like really far away from the mic, but I have certain expectations of JSJ volume levels and uh, they have not been reached as of yet. We'll work. We'll on get it. you riled up somehow. Yeah, we'll work on it. Uh, okay. We're here to recap the weekend. That was uh, a couple of notes from around the big 12 before we get to that. Um, 
We missed this last week because we weren't here. The Big 12 officially adding a few sports under its umbrella, women's lacrosse and beach volleyball. Very excited that somebody has to explain to me how UCF does not have beach volleyball as an official sport. You were in Orlando. I'm guessing they just didn't have a conference that like when they were starting up sports, they didn't, you know. But that doesn't, that doesn't, that didn't stop TCU. They weren't like, oh, well, thank goodness we're in yeah, this but it's, random but that's conference. TCU. Like they're a private TCU school that can do whatever the heck Fort they want. Worth and has beach volleyball and UCF. Okay. Anyway, TCU is a private uh, school that can do whatever the heck they want when it comes to sports. UCF is a public will, school that has to at least theoretically answer to somebody when they're starting up a program. We will begin uh, work finding a host for our new uh, 1012 Big 12 Women's Lacrosse podcast shortly uh, after I can get, you know, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State figured out. And Iowa State. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Oklahoma State win the uh, Men's Cross Country National Championship. Uh, That's the fifth time they've ever done so. 53rd natty for the school. Uh, Their score of 49 is the lowest since 2005. Shout out to Iron Monk, who does the uh, OSU official beer, the 1890. It was a 5.2% beer because they had 52 national championships. They have already said that they are going to be bumping that up to 5.3% to account for the extra national championship. That's uh, that's dedication. That's some good stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Uh, let's win some more natty so that beer just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger and uh, and stronger. Uh, BYU soccer onto the Elite Eight after a come from behind 3-1 to one win over Michigan State. We were hoping they would face Texas Tech in the Final Four. Alas, the Texas Tech ladies, uh, they fell one nothing to North Carolina on Sunday. I don't, I have not seen the score of the Texas match. I should probably go and check that. If the audio sounds weird for me today, because that is, as an annual tradition, I am podcasting live, live, from the uh, closet of my uh, adolescent bedroom. I am home, back home for the week for Thanksgiving with the family. Uh, my parents. So uh, if the audio sounds a little bit weird, that's why I'm not doing it in a playroom uh, with cozy couch cushions surrounding me. I'm doing it in a closet. It's only got a few shirts to absorb the sound. And by shirts, I mean like four Boy Scout uniforms. You didn't like my pitch of just putting a shirt over your own head to muffle it. (laughs) By the way, Philip, uh, Texas lost uh, five to nothing to Florida State. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. Not great. Okay, well, BYU carries the torch on, and uh, so yeah, yeah. they're in the Uh, final four of the. No, never mind. For some reason, my bracket is really weird when I'm looking at it on the site. It does not update the. There's the bottom half of it. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so you're right. They're in the elite eight now. Yeah. Well, Texas isn't. No, but the only Big Twelve school in the elite eight is the BYU Cougars. Correct. Let's see. Texas claimed a seventh straight volleyball championship, if I recall correctly, Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. They they uh, looked early like it wasn't going to happen. It looked like maybe this was going to be the year. And then they put it together and they did Texas things. So what can I, you say? Which is, I will say, it though, says a lot because the Big 12 right. is really, really good this year with the depth of the conference Gosh, yes. of Iowa State and Baylor and TCU and Houston. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, re- it's a and really good And don't forget BYU conference. and Kansas. The, yes. The, and BYU. You know, the, the two teams that were tied for second place coming into Friday uh, when, when they faced off against each other. So, which uh, that was a fantastic the, match, by the way. And not just because I don't believe the won. brackets. I don't believe the bracket's out for that one as of yet. No. No, the, no, there's still one week left in the regular season. Bracket will be out on the 26th of the selection show. There we go. There we go. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, basketball is underway. We have the Midwest Madness podcast hosted by uh, Sam Raz going on right now. Go and check that show out. He's doing a fantastic job. Should have a, a new co-host out. I believe that new episode is out now. You can go check it out. Uh, he's got a fantastic new co-host. You'll have to, to listen and find out more about that. But he's doing a great job uh, with basketball coverage. We'll continue to do so um, all the way through the season. Uh, we'll pick our basketball coverage up here. Um, let's just call it more in January uh, after we get through the full holiday season of football comes to a complete and total wrap. But we will start to do some basketball. Oh, I thought football was uh, over. Here it's, the- a, it's all basketball season now, right? Uh, yuck. He says, we'll get to that game. Okay, well, you know what? Let's get to games. Let's just let's just not. You know what? Let's just, Andy, I'm going to let you rip the Band-Aid off. I'm feeling <sighs> generous today. I'm just going to let you just get it off. 
Get it out of the way. Let's be done with it. Kansas State 31, Kansas 27. Uh, Andy, I say this, two things. Number one, I hope Kansas can hang on to Andy Kotelnicki. I think Leipold's sticking around. But the offense they run there, I don't know how some team doesn't come and just throw whatever they can at him to come get to be the head coach if he wants to be a head coach in college football. Because what he was able to do with a third-string quarterback with that offense for two and a half quarters, and even to some extent last week as well, has been very, very impressive. Like, it's been very good. They have been trying to get him. Uh, he has had multiple opportunities if he wanted to move off to be a head coach at a lower level program. So, um, well, when, when when you have many choices, you can be a little bit picky. Exactly. There is but also gotta, something to be said for some people just don't want to be head coaches. Ask me how I know that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> JSJ, you don't want to be the head coach. No, uh, my mom. I'm. I I was. I know. Yes, but sorry. But every every podcast is sometimes first. To, to that point, though. First. God. To, to that point, though, um, one of the features that came out talking about this, you know, talking about the way that this team operates and, and Lance Leipold spoke to this last week after the Texas Tech game. Um, a lot of these assistant coaches are have been with Lance Leipold as long as they have because they love to teach the game of football. It's not necessarily so much the, um, you know, overseeing and running a successful program. It's being able to actually take the time to teach individual players what they're doing. It's why Andy Kotelnicki is a tight ends coach because he actually gets in there and gets to teach the tight ends what they're doing and help at that position group level. Um, and so I'm not, I wouldn't, would not be shocked to see Andy Kotonicki stick around for quite a while um, just because he loves what he's doing. He's obviously successful. I mean, they've just bumped his salary up again, you know, coming into this year. And I can guarantee that when, you know, Lance Leipold gets another raise that the rest of his, you know, all, all of his assistant coaches are going to get raises again. So they're absolutely loved here. I would not be shocked if they actually stick around for quite a while because that's been the MO of this staff for a really long time. I mean, Kotelnicki's been with Leipold now for like eight years. So it's not like he hasn't had an opportunity to go and be a head coach. And they've been doing pretty good stuff on offense for quite a while. So as for the actual game itself, like, yeah, you talk about, you know, third string quarterback. There were a lot of people that were upset about Leipold saying after the game that Jason Bean was available. Um you know, and they, but they just felt like the game plan was set up for, for Cole Ballard and with the reps and everything. And I don't know that I necessarily believe it's completely that because that's, that's, hold on, hold on. The, he's been doing this now with Jalen Daniels all season. Oh, I know. I'm done. I'm done with this. Thing. No, no, like, no. I, I know. Saying he's available means that if, if Ballard gets knocked out of the game, like we, I, and we're in like desperation mode, I guess we could go to Jason B. Right. Stop saying they're available. Stop no, saying no, no. because if they're actually well, able to play, he was, done the, he was, BYU's done the same thing with Keaton Slovis, and I'm tired of it. Either they can play or they can't. Just stop with the availability. Nonsense. He was pointedly asked in the in the press conference afterwards if Jason Bean was available, and he basically had said that Jason Bean would have been available if absolutely necessary, which to me says that Jason Bean was 50%, and if, if Cole Ballard goes down, they probably feel better about throwing an injured Jason Bean out there than a Ben Easters or someone else on the roster. And so... I don't think it was viable to think that, you know, you throw Jason Bean in there and he plays a lot better than Cole Ballard because I, I feel like there was enough there that what they saw during the week that he was not, you know, prepped and ready to go. And, you know, talking about warmups, he like, like he looked like he probably could have gone, but you could definitely tell he was a step slow compared to what he normally is, even in warmups. So I'm not, I wasn't surprised when Cole Ballard was the guy that started. Um, and honestly, Cole Ballard did a fantastic job, like for a true freshman first start ever in a rivalry game, you know, like this is, this was a very good performance from him. Yes. He had the two picks. One of them was on a fourth down in the corner of the end zone. Like oh, it, that's, that's the one that's the, that's the gut punch one, man. Yeah. Because that's okay. Which leads to the second point of, I'm not going to say the game came down to that play. The end of the game. You can argue did. No, the game because after that the game came down to the dropped pick six or the blocked extra point that went for two the other way. Or I mean, or you know, the Trevor Wilson fumble on a on a punt, you know, uh like muffing the punt and fumbling it back to Kansas State. Like th there were so it's, many things that you could point to as the quote unquote reason Kansas lost that game. The fact that they had that many mistakes and still had an opportunity to win the game at the end of the game says 
you know, about how far they've come at this point. Yes, Kansas State was the better team that night, but I do think that the gap has closed between where Kansas and Kansas State are in terms of moving forward. And the question is going to be which team can have the best momentum moving forward. What was the Leipold line? The, the, the gap is closed, but it's still not close. Yeah, or... he said something to that effect, but, you know, he has a very long history of after losses kind of downplaying what they're, you know, kind of trumping up how much further they have to go to get to where they want to be. Like he is absolutely not into moral victories at all. He'll talk about how, Hey, we did some good stuff, but we made all of these mistakes and he gravitates towards mistakes. I think a lot more than most people. So there it is. The, the, the quote was, I think the gaps closed, but not close enough. So that is, yeah, that was the quote, right? And because close enough it's would hard be not to feel like winning the game. Like that's really what it's it hard not to feel like Kansas choked this one away. Oh, agreed. Because Kansas State fans were beside themselves, like it's over. We can't, we're not going to win this. We, we can't win this. When it was like twenty-seven to sixteen, Kansas State fans were ready oh, yeah. to just. It was over. The game was over. There was no way they were going to win that game. They were just. They were done. I'm shocked they didn't all just turn it off. It, that game was over, and that's all I could. I saw anybody from Kansas State side saying. And then Kansas State found a way to Kansas State things and, and come back in. And, and Kansas just couldn't just couldn't close it out. And again, if you're you're on a third string quarterback, which at this point I'm I'm positive that Andy Kotelnicki and the uh, Kansas quarterback coach could help me successfully, you know, compete in Sunflower Showdown as the starting quarterback for the Kansas Jayhawks. Like that's the kind of credit I want to give them. Um I mean, I, I mean, like it's I'm not gonna, a shot at I'm Kansas be State. Honest, like, you probably could have played better got, than Will Howard did in this game. So, I mean, we're not okay. I, I've seen the quote or the the sound bite from the Kansas live Twitter live space. We're not even going to deal with that. Will Howard played fine. Will Howard, Will Howard played like Will Howard plays up and down some games. Um, Kansas State found a way, and Kansas State got the win. And I think Kansas State fans today are all kind of like it, it's one of those things where it's like you want to celebrate that you got the win. But you also feel kind of dirty for the way you felt while your team was losing. That once you got the win, is like okay, let's just move on to next week. I think we're all, I think we're all emotionally spent here, and uh, there's nothing we need to brag about other than we win, and uh, we're gonna move on. So let's uh, let's move on. We got that one out of the way. There's a couple more teams we got to talk about because we have to talk about the tiebreaker scenarios. Let's move on, Jamie. I know you don't care, so we'll just go ahead and rip this bandaid off too. Texas 26, Iowa State 16. Um. A valuable lesson for football players. I appreciate coaches and athletes when they're willing to say more than coach speak or say more than the things that you're taught to say in press conferences. I appreciate when you do those things. It's fun. I want to see some personality. Have some fun with it. Uh, There's a couple of former Oklahoma State defensive players who have transferred out to other places who had things to say about Oklahoma State. Uh, then their team subsequently lost that that following game. I won't name names. Jared Hufford. <laughs> um, next time, maybe don't give the best defensive line in the Big Twelve bulletin board material before you're about to play them. Just a thought. Maybe don't say something and then proceed to individually yourself also get molly whopped a few times and then help your offense gain nine total yards of rushing in a game. Yeah, I'm very that pro is, like trash talking, but it's got to be either after the fact or you have to back it up. Like if there's a risk that there's any chance you don't back it up, shut up. Back it up or shut up. That's what I say. That's what I've always said. Not something I just said now for the first time. <laughs> yeah, but but trash um, talking after you've done it, like means that you're not comfortable enough with your own ability yes. to say it beforehand. Exactly. That's fine. But that's completely that's fine. fine by me. You, when you, you when also you're got the Iowa win. State, you learned to be okay with that. That means you've also gotten the win and have the right to say whatever trash talk you want to post game. Andy, I, I know you got the Kansas fans are still new to this whole winning thing. It's perfectly acceptable to trash talk. And I, mean, I did you say, or basketball. you have to back it up. Like the option yes, is, is there true. where you no, can no, no. talk Here, trash ahead thing, of time, though. but you Kansas, have to back it up. Kansas talks trash ahead of time, right? They like if they're going to basketball, but then they can they can back it up. Well, yeah, but no, but like even in football, when they're, if they're talking trash, they're talking trash beforehand. 
And, you know, they don't always back it up. You're right. Like, yeah, there are definitely times where it falls flat. Uh, Until recently, they never backed it up. Well, fair. But they also don't (laughs) they also don't sit there and wait until after they've won to say, yeah, we knew this wasn't going to be a big deal. Or, you know, it's 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 great when we do this every single time and it's never going to have, you know, it's never going to be any different. Like if you say that after you win, it doesn't mean nearly as much as if you had said it before you won. Also. Of all the units in the Big 12 to have a player talking trash, Iowa State's offensive line is not one of the ones that should be doing it. Offense, Iowa State's offensive line versus Texas' defensive line was not a fair fight, and then you just put more fuel on their fire. That was not a great idea. Look, Iowa State had some opportunities in this game. You 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 missed a field goal. You had a punt from at from the opponent's 43. Good job, Matt Campbell, on that one. Uh, even still, and I know that the game was close. It was a touchdown at one point. It still didn't feel the same as when Texas blew big leads in three of the four weeks previously where they had a 20-point lead and then the lead was dwindling down and down and down. And I think even Texas fans are starting to get a little frustrated and nervous each time and Texas was able to hold on and escape. It never felt like Iowa State was like on the cusp of, of taking control of this game. It just didn't. Like I think Texas, and give them credit, played a solid football game, even despite it being just a 10 point win and Iowa state's missed opportunities. Um, I'm also going to say this. I kind of, I said what I said about Texas backup running backs on the picks pod last week. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I will, I will, I will take it. I have to give CJ Baxter a ton of credit performed far better than I expected him to 117 yards on 20 carries, very solid day in place of Jonathan Brooks, who's of course out for the season. Um, Last thought is Texas, Texas fans. Uh, were there two touchdowns called back from penalties? Yes. Were those penalties valid? Yes. Was the second one maybe a little ticky tacky? Sure. Still valid penalties. The refs aren't out to get you. Cram it. Just, just stop. I'm tired. I'm tired of the Texas know you like, everybody's out to get us this season because we're leaving. Like enough, like seriously enough. Every single, I can't believe a, a ref has ever called a penalty on Texas or Oklahoma this season. Like the, like the, ugh, just ugh, enough. Anyways, um, Texas lives on to continue their march towards Arlington and uh, Iowa State. I know it's a tough way, a loss, but still not a, a bad season. At least they've already, you know, qualified for a bowl. So that I mean, that was the benchmark. You know, I talked with a bunch of Iowa State fans and that was kind of the benchmark for them this year, especially when the gambling stuff broke and everything it was like, get to a bowl game and we'll consider it to be a successful season. All right, Oklahoma 31, BYU 24. Oklahoma escaped Provo, and that is the word, escaped. Despite Jackson, uh, freshman Jackson Arnold having to come in at quarterback for the entire second half, the last I saw was an upper body injury to Dylan Gabriel. I watched the replay of the injury. That's a concussion. Like, just say he got concussed. Like, he went to the ground, his head smacked the ground. That's a concussion, um, which is essentially what happened to Jason Bean. So... Do I think that Dylan Gabriel will be available against TCU on Saturday? I wouldn't put money on it. I fully expect Jackson Arnold to be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma on Saturday. We shall see. I will say Oklahoma won this game. My son was very upset that they did not put in general duty. What's funny is like Jackson Arnold sounds like the name of a general more than general booty does. I know, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, OU. Defense won this game, specifically BYU turning the ball over three times, which directly led to 21 Oklahoma points, is the reason that Oklahoma won this game. They don't win without all three of those turnovers. The 100-yard pick six, It's it, every time BYU turned the ball over, they were about to go take the lead. Like the, your, your march, you, the first one comes, you back Oklahoma way up. They have to punt the ball. The BYU starts with the ball on Oklahoma side of the field. Turnover. OU goes down and scores. Then now you, you went from going up 14 to 7 to being down 14 to 7. Now it's tied 17 7. You're literally on the doorstep of taking a 24 to 17 lead. 100 yard pick six. You're now down 24 to 17. Now it's tied 24 24. You're going to go up 31. You're marching down the field. Turnover. OU comes down. Scores 31-24. That's the end of the game. Like BYU, three times you know their fans are like, we have an opportunity here to take the lead. Turnover. OU scores. 
BYU loses. I want to give BYU credit because I I know that game is as frustrating as all get out, and it really does feel like you let one get away. I actually thought they played very well. Um, it stinks because that really felt like that was your sixth win. That was the bowl eligibility right there. That was the one, and and it literally just like the ball did three times fell out of your hands and into the hands of the opponent. Um, but hey, like OU wins, OU survives, OU still has a shot at Arlington, stays in the, in the race. Um, but this looked a lot more like even the first half, Oklahoma, even before Dylan Gabriel got hurt. This looked a lot more like the Oklahoma against UCF, Kansas, and Oklahoma State than it did the one that trounced West Virginia last week. So I still don't know about this Oklahoma team, and I'll be very interested to see what they have to do when Jackson Arnold's the starter for the entire game, although it is against TCU. So, Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much else to say about this one. I mean, because, you know, I was I was definitely rooting against Oklahoma because I'm a Big 12 fan watching Oklahoma leave, and also I kind of like BYU anyway, before they joined the Big 12. So... But no, that was uh, very painful to watch those turnovers. Like you said, it seemed like BYU had all the momentum and then just made, you know, big mistake after big mistake to give it right back to Oklahoma. And I mean, you look at it like it felt like BYU outplayed Oklahoma in this. Like that's what if they did, they, like it felt like almost the entire game that BYU was outplaying Oklahoma. They just had huge mistakes that immediately swung into points. So, I mean, yeah, you, you, you you think it's good that Oklahoma won this game for their fans, but like, I don't know that you have a lot of confidence in what Oklahoma's done after the last few weeks. Like, I just, I just don't know. Like this is, this is really strange territory for an Oklahoma team to be in, especially one that's ranked as highly, as highly as they are. I guess it's just the, you know, weirdness of the big 12 this year, but it's just, it's, it's strange. I I just, I don't know. I think that sums up the entire weekend. Like, I don't know. It goes back to Oklahoma is better than last year. Oklahoma is still not where they want to be. Uh, Okay. Oklahoma State 43, Houston 30. Uh, The Bedlam hangover lasted for roughly one full game against UCF. And then about, about another quarter and a half against Houston. Houston got up 23 to 9 after a safety. With 4-16 left in the second or the first half of the game, Oklahoma State proceeded to outscore them 34-7 to the rest of the way and get the win. Ollie Gordon has been found. 164 yards and three touchdowns, most of that in the second half of the game. OSU finally, the hangover finally ended. Someone got them whatever concoction and cure they needed to shake it off from Bedlam. And they put it on Houston and... Houston fans are not pleased, and I believe that Tillman Fertitta, during the press conference this week with him and Dana, said this is a game that they expected to win. Tillman Fertitta said this about Houston. We're going to talk about Dana in a second, because... Wow, that's No, no, look, shocking. OSU won. OSU won. They're still in contention. But no, that... that there was a headline though? that came out. Hold on. Man. There was a headline that came out. I think uh, there was a headline that came out, and I think we misunderstood it a little bit. And it really came across like, Dana's going to survive this year no matter what happens. But when you actually read the article, which I finally did, and some people kind of showed me some things, there's some quotes in there... Dana made some comments first that really kind of seemed like, I guess, Dana's safe if he's going to mouth off and say these kinds of things. There were some statements by Tillman Fertitta during that event that really sounded like some loaded comments of like, you better do a couple certain things or else. Back it up or shut up, am I right? (laughs) I'm starting to wonder. Like, I don't know as bad as Houston actually is this year. And we can debate on who the worst team in the Big 12 is. Something it's Houston, something it's Baylor, something it's Cincinnati. All three have a case for it. Yes. As bad as Houston is this year, the expectation was a bowl in year one. You're not going bowling now. You had to lose, you had to win two of your final three. You lost to Cincinnati, lost to Oklahoma State. You got seven losses. If you really are like, we're a Power Five program, we should be competing for championships, yada, yada, yada. I mean, maybe they keep Dana. Maybe he has a staff overhaul. Like, Doug Belk's job is done. He's done there. 
maybe Tillman Fertitta is a little bit, you know, he spent his money elsewhere. He just doesn't have what they need to drop the 15 million to, to move off of Dana. But I don't know. I don't know how after the last two seasons, especially you keep him around for another year. Maybe they're just waiting to find, you know, cause. <laughs> I mean, it's it, 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 the way Houston's always talked about it, and with Fertitta, you would think they could find the 15 million to, to fire him. Yeah. No, it's really weird. Um, like, you know, they're nowhere near like the situation that West Virginia is in, in terms of when, when there was talk about potentially filing, firing Neil Brown because of the start that they had or what they did last year. Like Houston is much better off than that. So if they need to get rid of Dana, I feel like they have the capacity to do it. It's just, nobody wants to pull the trigger on it right now. Uh, I want to shout out to uh, some of the guys over at 247, Brandon Marcello, one of them. Uh, they they did a bit of an update on some of the hot seats. This one I missed in the offseason. Holgerson told The Athletic, quote, We won 20 games in two years. We won bowl games in back-to-back years. I have five years left on my contract with a bleeping impossible buyout, so there ain't no bleeping hot seat in my mind. There just ain't. Holgerson did sign a six-year contract extension last year that'll take him through 2027. Uh, his buyout is around $15 million if they wanted to move off. Of Talk it. about throwing down a gauntlet. They went eight and five last year, which is very disappointing because there were very high expectations. Mind you, the AAC was a lot more difficult last year than it was the year previous. Uh, and then they come to the Big 12 and I get it to year one. Everyone has struggled. Everyone has struggled. None of the New four, the four newcomers have reached bowl eligibility yet. Cincinnati's eliminated, Houston's eliminated, BYU and UCF both have to win their final game of the season to reach bowl eligibility. BYU's got to do it at OSU, UCF's got to do it at home against Houston. So if Houston loses, they'll be four and eight in year one. I am, I'm curious. Houston fans are done. Like, I love our Scott and Holman podcast, our Houston show. They're done. They're so done. They've, they've, it's, it's one of those things like, Hey, great. The basketball season's here. We're very excited, but they're so angry about football. They can't even just like move off of it yet. Go listen to Scott and Holman podcast. Do yourself. I have to say last year when I talked with them, you know, before the Kansas Houston game, like they were on the fence and being ready to be done with Dana, (laughs) like before they even joined the big 12. So to have this kind of year with this kind of, um, you know, continued, I guess, animosity and press conferences and kind of just the back and forth that we've seen, I'm, I would be shocked if Dana finishes out next year, if he comes back, like, I, I think he'd be a mid season firing next year. So he's going to be gone one way or another. I think I just don't see it working out long-term. Yeah. I need to pull up their, uh, schedule for next year let's 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 do a little a little early schedule preview uh i need houston hold on fbs big 12 houston thank you fbschedules.com you guys are the best i appreciate you so so much uh houston schedule next year is unlv at oklahoma and rice to start the season uh big 12 games are Road games at Arizona, BYU, Cincinnati, Kansas, and TCU. Four home games against Utah, Baylor, Kansas State, and Iowa State. Yeah, that's uh is pretty good. See what they look like next year. You got to go to OU, and then you have to play Rice again, and you lost to them this year. Very, uh, I just, I, there's another coach who's, job we're going to talk about here in a bit. Before we do that, now that we've gotten through the four teams still in contention for the Big 12 title game in Arlington, that being Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State, the Big 12 did release a little presser regarding the tiebreaker scenarios. Um, Texas will clinch with a win on Friday over Texas Tech. Okay. If Texas wins and clinches on Friday, uh, if OSU wins, they will clinch and it will be Texas as the one seed, Oklahoma State as the visitor uh, for that game in Arlington. If, how does this work? Uh, If Texas and Oklahoma win, but OSU loses, then it's Texas, Oklahoma in the championship game. Apparently. If Kansas State wins, and OU and OSU loses, then it's Kansas State, Texas. So if Texas wins, they're in. 
And then it's a matter of if OSU wins, they're in. If OSU loses, but OU wins, OU's in. If OSU and OU lose and Kansas State wins, then Kansas State's in. Clear as mud? Great. Uh, if Texas loses on Friday, um, Texas can still get in if two of Kansas State, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State lose on Saturday. Okay? If Texas loses on Friday and two or three of OU, OSU, and Kansas State win, the Big 12 says, I'm going to read this to you. I want to, I'm going to read it verbatim. If Texas loses on Friday and two or three two-loss teams win among Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, win on Friday or Saturday, there will be three or four teams tied for both championship berths. Multiple scenarios exist in the circumstance contingent on which teams remain in the tiebreaker pool. So, clear as mud. Texas loses and two or three of the other three two-loss teams win. No one has any idea. So what's weird about this, um, I'm sure you've all seen the, the, uh, the website that MRed53 on Twitter put out. Um, that he's, he's got the thing you can go to. It'll break down all the different scenarios. Yada, 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 yada. Um, how does Texas not get it? Because people have been running through his, I can't think of the word, his his website it's where you can run all generator. the controls. Thank you. Like they cannot find a situation in which Texas does not make it to Arlington based off of the tiebreaker rules that the Big 12 has established. Uh, we have, though, already found out that like we misunderstood the tiebreakers once. So, you know. Theoretically, could be we theoretically could be yes, air quote misunderstanding. Implying it's our fault, right? Can can we just at this point, <laughs> Texas fans, please understand where where I'm coming at this from, and it has nothing to do with like boo Texas. It's very much a I almost just want Texas to lose and OU OSU Kansas State to win, just to have to find out what these insane tiebreakers are that could come to fruition. Like, that's what I need. I'm kind of hoping, like, tech, if if Texas loses on Friday, it's, okay, Here it's Saturday morning, here's all the different scenarios of what could happen. We've lined, uh, here, here's what happened. If, oh, if this team, this I want, I need that. We all need to know that. Because it will only make Saturday that much crazier and fun and interesting if on Saturday morning the Big 12 goes, here's all the situations that could happen for Arlington based off of what happens today. Because I want to know what the weirdest one is. I want to get to the four-way tie. We have to go, okay, um, so we've literally decided to meet at a Whataburger parking lot <laughs> in Frisco, and we're going to flip a coin, and heads or tails gets you to Arlington. Congratulations, <laughs> the two teams that guessed correctly. I know. I'm looking forward It'd to It'd be way the... more production value than that, though. No, we're gonna we're gonna shoot it on ESPN Plus, but we're gonna do it in a Whataburger parking lot, and Whataburger's gonna sponsor. And everyone's gonna come There'd in. There'd be like yeah. a rapper to flip the coin at the very least. They're gonna go. N- Nelly Nelly's gonna show up a week early to do this. Hey. Oh no 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 no! He's gonna hold the Whataburger sack inside our four our our four ping pong balls. If you get the right ones, you're going. No, That's you guys, how we decide. You guys aren't this. thinking big enough. They just had a partnership with the WWE. Okay, so they're going to find an arena. They're gonna put a boxing ring or a a, a wrestling ring in the middle and have all four tied teams come in each from their own corner and do something like wrestling related for it. I mean, why else would you, you know, sign a marketing deal with a wrestling federation? Okay. Let's Probably play this out. Probably to entice Haley up. Cavender to the big 12. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, let's do this then. You put Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Gundy, Brett Venables, and Chris Kleiman into a ring. Who's stepping out of that ring? Be like a like a WWE free for all. It's a death match. Who's who's the last man standing? Oh, no, man. die, but you understand it. Who's who's the last man standing of that four way uh, brawl? I'm going to be honest. I think it's Chris Kleiman because he'll just sit back and watch the other three beat the crap out of each other and then come in afterwards and clean it up. I feel like that was a little bit insulting to Chris Kleiman. No, 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 no. It's smart to let the other three <laughs> go crazy. after each other and then clean it up at the end. Perhaps. I mean. Mike Gundy did used to wrestle. He he's got a singlet. I'm just gonna put that. I mean, I bet Venables. Venables seems like he is he a biter. Are there rules in this? Oh, Venables no. seems like he might bite. Oh no. He might be. A Cover biter. your ears. That's not a compliment. Uh, and I don't. I don't. I don't. 
I, I don't know. Sark. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think about Sark. How Part he, of he also ran in that situation. I got. I well, got no idea no, what he's right. Be Sark. Like Sark. He could be either the guy that's like you know everyone teams up on him first and he's no no threat at all, or he could be the one that just whips out the crazy and everybody like just falls really fast because he's just that this, ridiculous. This turns into this turns into a tag team event real quick where Sark and Venables have to team up against Climbing and Gundy. Uh, you just. No, but because you know, I'd be like, no, 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 climbing, Gundy to climbing are like, we can't let either of them get there. We've got to, we've got to make this. We're doing this together. This is a tag. Team. I'm just, and I'm then, just imagining the we'll backstab each other once rope. it's over. <laughs> yeah, Funny because, like, literally rope. today, for whatever reason, on Instagram, uh, the Mike Leach uh, mascot video popped up, and this is basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Talk about perfect timing. Oh man. Mike Leach, um, bless you. Um, One way you can be a winner, no matter who you're battling in the ring, is by shopping at Charlie Hustle. What a segue. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle, a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. Show off your school spirit all season long. I got the Big 12 shirt with the Kansas City skyline. It is magnificent. It is fantastic. I'm not wearing it at the moment. Uh, it's at home. No, wait. I did bring that one. Oh, I should have put it on for the podcast. Yeah, for podcast all the people that is a visual the, the visual format medium, only right. that none of you can see. Podcasting is a visual medium. Uh, you imagine all of it in your head. I really wonder, for people who have never seen what we look like, what they think we look like because I have I have stumbled upon a few of my shows on YouTube and they did not look like what I was expecting. How many people I'm do not you gonna think go listen tangent. to us regularly that don't at least follow us on Twitter? Yeah. That's a good question. And they don't follow us on Twitter, so I'm not sure they would know how to de- reach out to us to let us know that. Ha- you know what? 1012podcast at gmail.com. There y'all go. No, I think, okay. what, I think uh, what she's saying is us individually because we all have our Charlie pictures. Hustle. As our Charlie Hustle, Charlie Hustle, uh, use the promo code 101215 T E N one two one five for 15% off your order of any non-sale items. They have more than 30 schools to choose from, including all the big 12 teams, except Cincinnati, Cincinnati fans. Just keep bothering your school, tweet at them, DM them, email them, bother them, tell them you want to be in Charlie Hustle. They also have Colorado. Use that promo code. It's November. Christmas is almost here. You get some stuff for you friends and family the varsity jackets are freaking awesome they got some fantastic sweaters and hoodies got great gear for everyone they've got gear for so go to charliehustle.com use that promo code be rocking some fantastic vintage gear today charlie hustle vintage made fresh you know we have gone completely off the rails when it takes an awful transition to sponsor copy to get us back on or at least attempt to get us back on the topic uh first of all no, that transition my was horrible, segue. Philip. It was. My segue was great. Look, I my have tons of, of horrible transitions, so I know for a fact a horrible transition when I see one, and that was a horrible transition. How dare you speak ill of my transition, of my segue? <laughs> I am a segue master. I would segue all over you. Uh, Texas Tech 24, UCF 23. Texas Tech wins a close one at home to lock up a bowl berth and join McGuire's second season. Tech has now won three straight since our good boy, the possum, ran onto the field in Lubbock. Even Texas Tech. They had there this weekend? I... Why can't that happen Even... to me? Why can't that happen to Iowa State? <laughs> I want that so bad. Even Texas Tech's like tweeting about the possum. I need the possum for Texas Tech to be like the land shark for Ole Miss. Like, it's just the new mas- mascot that's just randomly there. They literally brought like, in, I- like, a minor league baseball mascot to just hang out and just be a possum. The Arkansas, the Little Rock Travelers, the Arkansas Travelers, the minor league baseball team in Little Rock, they have a secondary mascot, which is a possum, and it's all over all the kids' stuff, and I am buying that hat, and I'm going to ship one to Jamie Steyer Johnson so she can have... The possum we need to, we I need think, to get one and we need to have someone to like embroider a texas tech logo onto the possum yes i need you know like students like just start also the ucf tweeting out a picture of the score over a tortilla on the field with a hole in the middle of the tortilla 
Oh, yes, UCF's official football account tweeted out a graphic for UCF's loss in this game, and it just has a picture of the stadium, and in the foreground is a tortilla on the ground with a hole torn out of the middle of the tortilla. Animals. UCF fans. I I don't know if that was a tortilla that was made or one they actually shot. I don't know if you've ever stopped to ask yourself how Texas Tech fans sneak the tortillas into the stadium. I'm going to let you ponder that one for a minute. Um, That's enough. It was a big day for Taj Brooks, 182 (laughs) yards. Uh, We we need an official tortilla sponsor. Actually, tortillas and takes needs an official. How does tortillas... We got to talk to our Texas Tech show. 182 yards and a touchdown on 24 carries. There's that UCF run defense we all knew and loved right back where it was before the Oklahoma State game. Uh, the big news, though, Texas, UCF needs one more win to beach ball eligibility. Texas Tech becomes the eighth Big 12 team to do so. Uh, Tyler Shuck announced on Sunday on Twitter he is transferring. He is re-entering the transfer portal. It is going to leave Texas Tech. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, okay. It's just, it's Morton time. It is officially Morton time. Like, this is now Morton's time. Also, it's it's Morphin time. It's Morton time. I don't know why this joke doesn't trans- the land as well as I keep hoping it will. I'll just keep using it until someone finally tells me to stop. Uh, it's Baron Morton's show. It's his team moving forward. And I think that's a good thing for Texas Tech because basically they're 3-0 since he came back from injury as well. Like, I just, I think this team is is good with him in as their quarterback. And I think it's a positive for Texas Tech fans. I think it's something to be excited about. And uh, you're going bowling for a second straight season. That's awesome. I forgot to Google when the last time Texas Tech went bowling two straight years was, but I think it's been a minute. I think it's been a minute. As for UCF, it's a close game. I uh, played well in Lubbock. Um, there's a lot of UCF fans. Mike over at uh, Sons of UCF who trash truck or trash trucked, talked trash about Lubbock and Texas Tech. You'll have to wait till the next time you visit to try and win there again. Are you all searching for the Tyler Shuck thing now? Is that what's happening? Sure. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, what? Go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, no, no, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch most of these games because I was too busy dealing with um, some some car issues that kept me from actually making it out to the stadium for Kansas. But uh, you know, I did I did try to follow as much of these pod. Like I was. You know, I was mildly surprised with how well Houston was playing at the start and, you know, watching the West Virginia Cincinnati stuff like, man, what a dominant, you know, but this Texas Tech UCF one, that was like the one I wish that I could have watched because I couldn't really pay attention to it when my own team was playing that I was covering. Um, But it just seemed like it was a back and forth. Yeah, UCF got out to a big lead. Texas Tech came storming back and then it was just a back and forth all the rest of the game. And it seemed like it was one of those entertaining games that I would have loved to watch if the game that my team was playing in wasn't just as entertaining. I mean, it's rough for UCF. You build a 14 and nothing lead. Then you score the game tying touchdown and you miss the extra point that decides the game. Woof, 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 woof. Uh, West Virginia, 42 Cincinnati, 21 Cincinnati scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to turn a 42 to seven deficit into a 42 to 21 deficit. Um, Cincinnati's bad. West Virginia is not bad. They have seven wins. Neil Brown's job is safe. Um, and they're going to have an opportunity for nine wins this season because they've got. Who, oh yeah. Baylor to close out the regular season and then a bowl game. So props to West Virginia, Neil Brown and Cincinnati is still not good. Uh, TCU 42 Baylor. I don't think I need to spend more time on that game. I just, I don't, I don't think there's any need to. TCU 42, Baylor 17. This was TCU 14, Baylor 10 at the half. And then TCU just flat out ran away with it. Um, who boy? Uh, Dave Aranda. I know that the administration wants, would prefer to keep him. I like Dave Aranda a lot. Um, I, I really do, but sir, this ain't, this ain't, this is not good. This is not what you do when your job is in jeopardy. 
It's just not. Um, I'm trying to find... There was a... Uh, man, there was a quote. Ah! Baylor head coach Dave Aranda said... I'm gonna, uh, Michael Hag tweeted this one out. The West Virginia is another opportunity to compete and put together a complimentary game across all four quarters. Quote, we need to be way hungry, way motivated, way focused, and way together. End quote. That's the way that I talk about my fifth graders. You know what? Do you want I to think... elaborate on your fifth graders? No, yeah, uh, we don't win a lot. <laughs> but we they they work hard. They're they're really developing. They're, you know, they're just reaching the double digits, I think. I don't really know how ages work yet, but you know, they they've got time. But again, they're fifth graders. I might actually word for word use that. That's hilarious. No, um, I'm going to go even one worse. Uh, the way that Aranda is talking about his team right now and kind of the whole vibe around that program is very much David Beatty at Kansas, where it's Whoa. it's a coach that you absolutely love as a person, but you wonder if they actually know what they're doing as a coach. Because the way that... Aranda keeps talking about this team and essentially pretending like nothing's wrong and they just need to try harder. That reminds me a lot of what David Beatty used to say when he, you know, in years one and two of being here, uh, of, of being at Kansas. And yeah, you you, you groaned at that audibly. Like that is, that was as much of a, as a uh, insult as it sounded like, because look, I love the guy. I think Dave Aranda is a great person. And I thought that about David Beatty as well. But I'm starting to wonder, does he actually know what he's doing as a head coach? He may be a fantastic defensive coordinator. But I'm really starting to wonder if he can actually run an entire team, especially at the Power 5 level. Yeah, I I was really hoping he would get another season to turn things around. And they do owe him quite a bit of money. They just, they do. Um, But this is... Oh man, I just, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know how. Because it just keeps getting worse. I mean, it just keeps getting worse. I mean, you, you beat Cincinnati, like nice. You you get thumped by Iowa State by, what, 12? You, you need OT to lose to Houston. And then the last two weeks at Kansas State and TCU, and TCU's not, Good, they're five and six this year. They may not go bowling, and they just routed you, forty-two to seventeen. I mean, I I keep like every time they have some blowout losses. Like, is this the worst loss of the season? Was it Texas State, and then it was it was Texas, and then it was Texas Tech, and then it was Kansas State, and now TCU, and it's just like at this point, his quotes make me say like he he doesn't like he doesn't have an answer for this. He doesn't know what to do. Um, and let's be honest, like. One of their two Big 12 wins took an absolutely epic collapse from UCF. Yeah. Baylor's biggest comeback win in school history to get over UCF. Baylor still has not beat an incumbent Big 12 team. Like, if not for the four newcomers, there's a real chance Baylor doesn't win a Big 12 game this year. Like, of all the incumbent 10, they're the worst team. By far. Like, it's not even close. Because I'm not going to pick them. They didn't play Kansas. Would you pick them to beat Kansas? Oh, gosh, no. They didn't play. Well, I get to play West Virginia at home to end the regular season. Like, are you going to pick them to beat Oklahoma this year? Oklahoma State? Kansas? No, they beat no, they got house I'm just like, look at the schedule. And like, I don't. Like, they didn't play BYU. I'd. Like, maybe in that game is in Waco. I'd pick Baylor. But like they got Houston at home and lost in overtime. I don't. I, I'm shocked they went to Cincinnati on the road and won. It's bad. It's really bad. I mean, it is really, really bad. If he sticks around for another season, to me, it's because they don't want to pay the buyout, and he's just a guy that everybody likes enough that they want to give him one more year. But the concern at this point is, what are you selling fans on? The recruiting's not going well. What are you selling recruits on? A, a dead man walking who's going to probably have a three and nine seasons going to 
replace his entire offensive coaching staff? Who's going to come coach there? Who do you, I mean, look, guys need jobs and they will, they'll get paid, but like, who, who are you going to get to come to Baylor next season to be his offensive coaching staff on a, on a team where no one thinks that head coach is going to get another season next year or even a full season next year. I volunteer. I like Dave Aranda. I like Dave Aranda. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm happy to take the money. What do you want me to coach? I will, I will coach uh, uh, whatever you want. But like, I just, I don't know how you look at the situation as bad as it is. That, that, and that's the problem. It is so bad. How do you look at the situation and say, all we need to do is replace our offensive line coach, offensive coordinator. We're going to turn this whole thing around. I just don't see it. No, I don't either. Like this is a, they went from an abysmal program to a great program under Matt rule. Oh, I'm Bryce. Sorry. Uh, You know, like they, they had a huge comeback and now they're basically back to being a, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what the future looks like for this Baylor team. You've got to find a new hire to get this team turned around. Like, I just don't know that Aranda can do it. The, the recruiting isn't there where, where it used to be. Like the, what we're seeing on the field isn't there. It reminds me very much Aranda. Aranda reminds me very much of a player's coach where the players love to play for him, but he doesn't get the best out of the players. Cause I think that's what we're seeing here. Like, I don't think that recruiting was so horrible the last few years that they have, you know, less talent than everybody. I honestly just think it's that the guys that are there are not playing up to the potential that they had in the, in the recruiting. So. Well, and we talked about in the preseason this year about how there's so much less leeway now because you've got new schools that have come in that you feel like okay if you're an incumbent school you should be a tier above them and then next season everything changes again for several reasons you have more good programs coming in as well as recruiting becomes frankly even more difficult because now you have a couple more local schools that are going to be in the sec which is another big draw where okay well if i want to stay home in texas but I want to go to the SEC. Now you have even more options. Like that's just a really difficult scenario to be in. You just can't really give leeway even as much as you would like to sometimes. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, you're adding four schools, right. That are, you know, you have Arizona and Utah, which are both ranked this year and look to be fairly good programs moving forward. I don't like, I expect them to maybe take a hit into what they're used to doing in the PAC 12. Well, I guess this is all new for Arizona for the most part, but like, yeah, it's going to be, they're going to have to make that transition, but I'm not expecting them to come in and, you know, go winless. Like, like a lot of these brand new teams moving up from the AAC are, um, you know, and then you have Colorado, which is an improving team. They are somewhat familiar with the big 12 having been here before, like, you know, yes, they're not a great team right now, but you know, they, I think they have the pieces to start improving. So I think their rebuild is further along than something like Baylor's would be. The only school that's getting added that has, you know, the potential to be as bad or worse than what Baylor is right now is Arizona State. Like, so you're adding three teams that are probably going to be better than you. You're losing two teams that are better than you. And you're only adding one that's probably worse. Like, that's very difficult to rebuild. And it's difficult. I mean, it, it was going to be difficult to rebuild anyway in the Big 12, but it, it just gets harder starting next year. Well, then that's 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 a, the guy who's his first year head coaching, and that roster is a mess because of the former head coach screwed everything up. So it's not like you're in year four and things are just right, bad, right? I not to mention, I just I don't think they're even developing the players that well. Like I just I don't see the player development. I don't. We'll, we'll wrap on this. Uh, the level of success that Baylor has had for quite some time. Baylor has not had to fire a football head coach for on-field performance since Guy Morris in two thousand and seven. Let that sink in for a moment. That's what Baylor has become as a football program. Like their expectation at Baylor is not, hey, we made a bowl game. Like you combine last year and this year, you've got one remarkably good season for Dave Aranda. Other than that, it's abysmal. It's it is awful. They haven't had to fire a head coach in football since Scott Drew took over the basketball program. Hmm. Maybe Scott Drew wants to coach both. JK. All right. 
Um, let's get out of here because it, it is kind of a been a long weekend. It's Halloween weekend. Let's uh, let's wrap this show up the way that we always do. We will look to the weekend ahead. I will run down the list, and we will each pick the game we are most interested in. And of course, you cannot pick your own team. We get two games on Friday. We start things off at 11 a.m. on Fox TCU on the road in Norman at Oklahoma. 6.30 p.m. on ABC, we get Texas Tech on the road at Texas. Two very big games for the uh, Big 12 Championship game scenario on Saturday. Get one 11 a.m. kickoff, UCF hosting Houston. UCF, you know, uh, of course, trying to get that sixth win for bowl eligibility. 2.30, you get Oklahoma State hosting BYU. BYU looking for their sixth win. OSU win, and they're probably into Arlington. And then three night games, nicely scheduled at 6, 6.30, and 7. Appreciate that staggering. At 6 o'clock on FS1, West Virginia on the road at Baylor. Baylor looking for any sort of reason to have hope, and West Virginia hoping for an eighth win. Sixth win conference play, very nice. Uh, 6.30 on ESPN2. Kansas on the road at Cincinnati. Kansas going for their eighth win as well, which would be huge. Cincinnati just looking for... God. Cincinnati and Baylor, two 3-8 and eight teams, just hoping to end the season on a high note. Well, they face off against two seven-win teams, just trying to get an eighth win. And at seven o'clock on Fox, a big in the sun. Or I'm sorry, I almost called the Sunflower Showdown. It is Farmageddon, Kansas State hosting Iowa State in Manhattan. Kansas State still not out of it for a trip to Arlington. See if they can continue to run that they have been on. JSJ, um, what wrench would you like to throw in this situation for me? <laughs> Uh, look, I'm, like I said, I'll be in Vegas, so I'll watch, uh, I'll watch whatever has, uh, an interesting line that they put up in the casino or whatever, uh, that'd be fine. Uh, otherwise, yeah, like, I, (laughs) football, whatever. Uh, Kansas does play Virginia Tech on Friday in women's basketball. That's going to be very interesting. And then they play UConn. Oh, gosh, they do. Don't yes, they? they have Virginia Tech and then UConn back-to-back. Yeah, that's what you want to do All on right. back-to-back games. Uh-huh. Oklahoma State's got Penn State on Monday and Ohio State they, on Wednesday. That's, that's, I mean, that's the other one, too. Like, literally both of them have, like, crazy slates this week. There's a lot of other, like, solid games. Oklahoma plays Princeton, but, like, that's not even worth mentioning because I think that's going to be on Flow Hoop, so... Mm, Actually, so. like all this is going to be. On I was going to say, I'm, I'm pretty so. sure. I'm pretty sure Kansas against those two yeah, is also on yeah. Flow Sports. So yeah, um, I get that channel in the Roku app. Yeah, what? Yeah, I do too. The Roku app except, has a like a Flow Sports channel. I think. Except, don't you have maybe to pay I, for no, it? That might be. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Stadium. They have Stadium. Oh, okay. Uh, there's so many like random off. Sports. I know that they have an app for it, but you have to pay for it. Like you have to have yeah, a subscription. Yeah, it's, it's a paid thing, but like they did stream a couple games live on Twitter this weekend. So I'm just like crossing my fingers we get another couple of those. I subscribed to Flow Softball la- earlier this year so I could watch some opening weekend Big 12 softball because there was a bunch of teams at one tournament. I think like Kansas and OU and, and somebody else was there. So I paid for it just so I could watch that. Um that that I might we'll we'll see. Okay, Andy, which uh, which game are you keeping an eye on? Um, give me Farmageddon. Like this is going to be you know the last one continuously because I don't think they play next year. Um, or maybe I'm wrong and it's a couple it's a years couple from years then. Though. Yeah, never mind. It's, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, I think it's, it's I think it's year four it's, of the four of the four year plan. It's the last one that. No, never mind. I'm not going to make up some random thing just to make it sound cooler. Um, <laughs> look, Iowa State, Kansas State. I think these are two teams that I honestly are are like I was shocked to see the line at at, at 11 and a half for Kansas State because I think that Iowa State is playing a lot better than they were earlier in the year. The way that they played against Texas, I still think that this is a team that is going to go on the road and give Kansas State a game. I don't know if Iowa State is going to be able to win this game, but. I do think it's probably going to be one of the more entertaining games of the entire slate on the weekend. Yeah, I I think Farmageddon is always fun. This should be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how Kansas State looks at home after the Sunflower Showdown. I expect them to bounce back a bit, but I also expect Iowa State to look better. So I think that's a good call. Um, I think the other one is, do I expect Texas Tech to go into Austin and beat Texas? No. Do I expect Texas Tech? Texas is probably, I don't think this is going to be a game. 
I'm sorry, Texas Tech fans. I just, I just don't. Like, the clinching game for Arlington, the way this Texas team has played this year, like, I just, I think Texas is going to go with, it'll look a little bit like the Texas Baylor game last year where it's like, oh, it's kind of close for a little while, but you're like, yeah, Texas is going to win this game. I just, I just think Texas is going to win this game. Honestly, the OU-TCU game might be more interesting if Jackson Arnold's the starter for OU in place of Dylan Gabriel. If Dylan Gabriel is still out for this game, if he is, he's available in case of emergency, which means he can't play, uh, and we get Jackson Arnold for a full game, I am very interested in what that game in Norman looks like. Not that I'm going to pick TCU, but... It, I, I'm I'm very curious. OU is at home, so I think they'll play better than they would have on the road, but it is at least an interesting game to keep an eye on. I right. think you are underselling one storyline for this weekend, right? Your Mark did say he was going to be in Austin for this Texas Tech-Texas game, so I am waiting for the shenanigans where Texas Tech somehow pulls us out late on the road and they talk about yeah, how Yeah, just like Iowa in. State did this weekend when he was there. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Wait, who won that game? But Texas had two turnovers negated due to penalty that were all crap because the Big 12's rigged. Look, we've had Texas so many opportunities. Texas has never done anything wrong. Is the thing I, I know. That you guys keep yeah, I, I know. I know. It's so weird. Right. It's crazy how that works. But no. No teams but Texas and Oklahoma this year have been unfairly penalized for something that was a questionable call or ticky-tack play. No one else has. Don't even no get one. me started. Officiating is well known for being in a great place right now. Across yeah, yeah, all best. sports across the country, that's just a fact. Infallible. Look, look. The only one that I will say it was absolutely phenomenal officiating for the BYU Kansas volleyball match on Friday. <laughs> and the the announcer, the BYU announcers were absolutely fantastic. Like, uh, look, I, I mean, if I'm going to have a team that or a broadcasting team that is not, you know, my own KU paid ones. It's going to be those those BYU volleyball announcers because they were it was a, it was absolutely fantastic. So uh, honestly, Farmageddon's the best game of the weekend in the Big Twelve, like from a matchup standpoint. It's, it, and I don't think anybody else is close. I just I just don't. Unless you really um, want to see UCF UCF try to beat Houston to go bullet. Like I do. Like I like do that's the only it. other the one. only eleven a.m. Big Twelve game. You think I won't have it on? But I think that's the only one that is. Um, I won't, I will be, I'll be on the road back to Arkansas yeah. from my family in Owasso and we'll be doing the same as I did with the OU BYU game. I will be listening to the game on the drive while my children listen to whatever Tony, they stick on the Tony box to play in the back of the car. Heck yeah. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We will have picks on Wednesday this week. We'll have it to you a day early. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, everybody enjoy the games all week. Uh, enjoy your time with your family and friends. Andy and Jamie, and we'll be back here again on Monday of next week to talk about whoever's going to be in Arlington. Maybe we'll know. Maybe we'll actually know after all the games are played, or maybe we'll be waiting 24 hours later just to see what happens with the tiebreaker rules and whether or not we actually know who's going to be there, if it's just going to be a coin flip in a Whataburger parking lot. Look, we might just be um, spending half the episode recapping very uh, angry tweets from Oklahoma and Texas That would be an incredible episode. I know. I agree. <laughs> that would, that would, it would be the most downloaded episode of all time. It would beat the realignment episodes. If we had, we're just going to sit here and read Oklahoma and Texas fans, angry tweets for an hour. A dramatic reading. A dramatic reading. Don't tempt me. I'm going to, we'll, we'll sell it to Brett. You are and see if he wants to do it. He wants to join us. Oh, heck yeah. Podcast Network.